And as we do so, we're going to sing. We're going to sing the doxology. And so would you sing with me? The words will be behind me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So we're in our series on our core values. And, and in it, we just kind of were reminding ourselves, it's not meant to be purely like, oh, here's how we hope we live. This is really a reminder of saying, this is who we are. This is how we live. Not perfectly, but this is how we live. And this is how we're wanting to live together and, and reaffirm this lifestyle, these things that we think that really, really matter. Um, and, and not out of, just out of duty, but out of the kind of life that we, when we think about a life that was like worth living, a, a life that we've been created for and destined for. If I use the words destiny, these values, I think, paint the picture of this, the divine destiny that I, I long to want to live into. And so we, we encourage this to all of us as we remind each other of saying, hey, this is, who we, this is who we are, and this is who we collectively want to be, and we don't ever want to forget. And so we know that these values weave in and out of the seasons at different times, where they're heightened or when they kind of maybe even go low, maybe a little bit dormant, but always present. So we want to encourage these values again today. So just as a way of describing maybe how these values work out in life, um, I'm going to share with you just a few stories to kind of start. I had the chance to watch a beautiful communicator over the last few weeks, and he shared a number of stories. And so I'm going to share with you four stories. Um, and all of these sort of weave together into these values. So I exercise, you know, pretty regularly in, in the last few weeks. I was hanging out and we do, we stretch, right? You stretch in the beginning and we were doing my favorite stretch. It's called the Samson stretch. And the Samson stretch looks like this. You kind of, I'm not sure why it's called the Samson stretch. It's just called the Samson stretch. And when they say do the Samson stretch, I know how to do it. And one leg goes out and one leg goes back, you know, and you're stretching your hip flexors, right? Love the stretch. It's very easy. I'm wearing stretchy pants, so it works well. And you twist to the side. If you can't see, let me give you a profile so you can see the hip flexors. <laughs> right, right in here, right? You know, push the groin forward. That's the Samson stretch. I'm doing the Samson stretch, and there's people Samson stretching next to me, and a friend of mine who is there, we, we chit-chat and stuff. He begins to talk to me about his church experience. Now, this guy's Jewish, right? And so I know that, right? Because we talked about that. And that but his, his wife is a Christian, and it was raised in a context of Christianity, right, with Jesus. And so they go back and forth and stuff. And so he was telling me, hey, I've been, I've been going with her to the church, and it's really interesting. I really like it, right? Now, so I'm in the middle of our Samson stretch. And I'm thinking, what? And he's, then he says, hey, I want to go to your church. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. Well, I mean, part of me is like, Huh? Why? You know, but oh my gosh, in the middle of the Samson stretch. <laughs> Story one. Story two. Uh, 
it was this last week and it was the morning and I had finished one of the workouts and I needed to pick up milk and hair product, right? You know, and it's Rite Aid and they're open, right? So I, I pull in and as I'm pulling in and going up to the, I see a woman that I've seen um, a lot. She was an older woman and she wears a blanket around her when she walks and she pushes a um, shopping cart. Now, those two indicators tell you something about someone when it's like, you know, 6 a.m. and they are pushing a shopping cart and they have a blanket wrapped around them in the morning, right? Kind of let you know uh, they're, not, they're not living in an ideal situation. They're not flourishing by what we would consider flourishing standards. And I've seen her a number of times. I, this is a woman I, I, I don't know, right? But as I pulled in, she's right there at the entrance of it. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to her. Right? She's walking out, I'm walking in. I'm like, hi, how you doing? And she's like, good. And she's clear-eyed. Right? You know, you can see somebody and they're like, um, you're not kind of sure the state that they're in. She's clear-eyed, clear-voiced. And she speaks back to me. Oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, and we have this short conversation. And my heart is moved, right? Like I'm, I'm seeing her. She's asking for nothing but yet I want to give her everything. Okay, not really, right? Because I'm, I'm stingy a little bit, you know, but I actually have cash, right? So I see it and I'm, I have an okay amount, so I'm like, I'll give her half, right? I give her half, you know. And, I'm, and we're just continuing talking. talk, oh, here you go, right? Like it's, and then we're talking more and all of a sudden I'm like, I want to give her all I have, right? And so I do. But again, there's an ATM in there and I don't go that far, Right? <laughs> But yet my heart is moved towards her. And she shares her name with me of Cora. And I know her name. And we chit-chat. And we bless each other. And she blesses me. Oh, may God bless you. And then I bless her. May God bless you. And then we go. Story two. Story three. Um, I, I talked a little bit about this week on a video. I got invited. Some friends had bought extra tickets to, to hear Rob Bell speak at um, the Royal Oak Music Theater a few weeks ago. He's a, um, a communicator, was the pastor of Marshall Church in Grand Rapids for a number of years. He's written a number of books and a phenomenal communicator. Now he's kind of like, I would call him an itinerant teacher where he travels around and he teaches from podcasts and that. And he was coming in with another um, Christian writer, philosopher, thinker. And they were, they were talking and they were sharing and somebody's like, hey, we got extra tickets. Would you like to go? And I, it worked out that I could go and I would love to. So I went. And we're standing in line, and it was after our big um, vision, our dreams and dialogue night, so we had just been talking for three hours together in our community. I'm pretty tired, right, and going into an event where they're going to talk also for another two and a half hours of content. That's going to be pretty long. But I'm standing in line. It's a huge line wrapped around, around the Royal Oak Music Theater, packed tons and tons of people. And then there's a guy out there, and he's, um, he's just talking to people, and he's handing out these tracks. So he's like an evangelist of some kind, right? Uh, and he's handing out these tracks and they looked like million dollar bills and then they had Jesus' face on them. I got a picture sort of like that, right? Maybe like this. It wasn't exactly like that, but similar. The million dollar bill, Jesus' face. So he, he's come now. At first, I, I get a sense of what he's doing and I'm kind of wondering, oh, that's interesting. Is he here? Because he, know that, he knows that Rob Bell is here and some people think that Rob Bell's a heretic, you know, think that he's in trouble from the kinds of things that he teaches. And then maybe this guy who's doing this thinks, oh, whoever's listening to Rob Bell is also in trouble, so we should go there and we should evangelize them. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to ask. 
Or maybe he was just saying, here's a crowd, and I'm going to continue to share what I think of Jesus. And so, awesome, right? That sort of intentionality of longing to share good news with people. But he comes up and he has these million-dollar bills, not really million-dollar bills, with Jesus' face on it. And, and I see it, and he's like, oh, he comes up to us. And he's like, hey, would you like one of these? And I see it, and I must have had like a really visceral reaction, because one, I think that's terrible. And so I was like, oh, no, right? Something like that. I responded, no, no, I don't want it. I don't, I, I don't want that. Now, one, because I think, I'll, I'll get it to you, why not? But I think by my reaction, he thought I was demon-possessed. <laughs> He's thinking I'm responding to, oh, this guy's against Jesus. And so I better get ready to cast out the demon and to take a more defensive approach with this guy because he's having this visceral reaction to Jesus. Not at all. I love Jesus, right? And so here's what I'm having a reaction to. If you're going to share truth with people, you should not start with two lies. The first is this. That's not a million-dollar bill. And the second is, who's that guy? It's not Jesus. Right? So those are two things that already set me off. These two lies, these two false things, and say, hey, here's two false things. Now let me tell you the truth that I think you don't know. So I'm like, ah, no, 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 wrong way. But I think I responded poorly. And he wanted them to exercise me. And then begins to ask me these questions. What, you know, like, if you could die and go to heaven, what are you going to do? What's your answer? And I'm so tired from having talked to people for three hours. I didn't even want to talk to the guy. And I got mad. Got mad because it's kind of like, um, he's just looking for the right, he, he's looking for me to give the wrong answer so he can give me the right answer, right? Have you ever been that person? I, I mean, I have. <laughs> right? You're, you don't really care. Well, I got the sense and he could have, right? And so this was my judgment or my tiredness or whatever. I got the, I was, but I, I was angry. And he asked me the questions and I, I didn't even know. I was like, ah, and, and just turned my back to him. And he left. Story four. So we're in here this week, and we, we meet together as a team. We have all these practices sitting here in our conference room. And someone comes in um, from our team and is like, Bo, can you, can you go out to our porch? And we got somebody sleeping there, and it's beyond the time when we got people walking in. Can, can you let them know, hey, it's, it's, it's time to go on? Right? We don't let people sleep just in the middle of the day on our porch. Um, one of the, the re- a couple of things, why let me give you a a little story that happened a few weeks earlier than this that really led to this response is that a few of us were sitting in our conference room. Jenna, who is our operations director, was sitting there um, being able to face the window um, that you can see out onto the porch. I don't think anyone who's on the porch could see her. I think we were in the middle of our morning devotions where we read the scriptures together, we pray, and we worship together. And all of a sudden, I hear Jenna say these words. Oh, no, put it away. Not can't you see me? Now, we didn't know what she was responding to, but apparently the guy that was sleeping on our porch thought he was in a private situation and decided that he was going to urinate off of a porch and water the flowers and the plants right there, but also do right there in front of Jenna. I mean, it's like, well, go tell that, you know, say, no, no. So we go out and encourage him. But so we try to be able to graciously respond Two really tough scenarios, right? Here's another scenario. The guy is on our porch, 
because they didn't got anywhere else to go, right, at that time, or that was just an easier place to go. We know this, right? And we're church, right? I mean, goodness, you want to respond appropriately. But we also know that there's bathrooms and other places you can go at this time when you're open and, and sleeping in, in the corridor there. This isn't the, the best spot, and there are some places that we can try to help him move him to. So I step out in order to engage him, but also want him to be present, right? We, last year, we were in the series called Faithful Presence, and we talked about being present with people and not just saying what you want to say, but actually be present. And so I stopped out there having that in my mind of saying, be present. Listen to him. Be with him. Don't just kind of move them on, but listen, and maybe there's a way we can respond to them differently in order to really, you know, t- to help them. So he, he begins to talk, and, and I'm, I'm preparing myself, right? Be present. And it's like 10 minutes in to my second question, and it's going on and on, and I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Help me be present here. Because you ever been trying to be present with the talker who's going to tell you every detail of their life? That's really, really hard. And eventually, after 25 minutes of sitting there and just talking and telling me about every doctor and all the scenarios that were going on in his life and wondering, I'm just like, hey, let me just pray for you, man, and then we can help you move on and stuff, and, and we do so. And so I'm like, I have to cut him off. I couldn't be present anymore. I cut him off and pray for him and send him on his way. These stories, all of them connect to these next two values. And they show the tension of them. Some of them, they're like, oh my gosh, how beautiful, how good, how appropriate. Others are like, gosh, that really stinks. There seems, doesn't seem to be a clean answer to this. This seems really hard. This seems really messed up. This seems really complicated. But yet the values are so easy. But to live them out in real life is so difficult. Here's the two values that we want to talk to that these two themes bleed. These stories bleed through bled through, right? Here's the two values that I want to just briefly mention today. First one is this, love and action. This value, when we mention it, our value of love and action is like, this one is so clear. We, we, we hear the value and we immediately know exactly what it's talking about as followers of Jesus Christ. And the value is this, God loves people and so we love people. We show God's love in the world through action born of compassion Without judgment, we seek to embody the love of Jesus Christ through tangible acts of kindness, care, and service to others. That is our value of love and action. God loves people, so we want to. We want to embody this, and we want to move into this world with compassion, kindness, and service to others. The second value that these kind of go together, they build upon each other today, is the value of this. And it was, this value was titled Sending Out. If you've been with us, we, we have retitled this and rewritten it because we think this is clearer to the heartbeat of, of who we are and how we actually want to live. We've changed the sending out value to we are missionaries. And so, and here's the new wording for this value. God is a missionary and invites us to join in his good work. Because of this, We intentionally equip followers of Jesus Christ to participate in God's mission in neighborhoods, networks, and to the nations. That's the value. These are the two that we see kind of living out intention to love people and engage in the mission of God in this world, in our neighborhoods, networks, and our nations. That God is a missionary God moving out in the world to produce and to move restoration and redemption in all areas, in all spheres, in all places. 
and we want to join with him. And so that tension comes with these values are incredibly clear, but to live into them and to embrace them and say yes to them is way more complicated and at times painful. And at other times it just reveals our weaknesses as humans or our weaknesses of followers of Jesus or it reveals our lack of confidence to engage appropriately and authentically with real people in real time as you see in my stories. And, and we could have asked all of you stories of engagement or disengagement, of, of responding, and I think we would have, could have filled the room with stories of that. Good scenarios and ones or missed opportunities or times when we attempt, when we step in, trying to listen to God and engage, but we're not quite sure if we responded appropriately or not. But in this value is the one that we want to embrace the full tension of saying, we don't have a magic formula about how to engage in these. We just know we want to. We just know that the life, a full life, is one that's saying yes to God's love and then responding with his love in the world. We know that's how we want to live. We know we want to be about that. We just may not have always have the confidence to be able to do so. And we know that God is doing things that are bigger in this world in order to see it changed, healed. People, systems, nations. And if there was any way that we could participate in that, we would want to. To be a part of something life-changing. And to have our small part a part of it. We want to say yes to it. There's just a couple of scriptures that I want to encourage us this morning to be able to step into uh, our potentially our, even our, our identity as sons and daughters of God who are deeply loved by him and to live into that identity of being deeply loved by God that, that could potentially free us in our interactions to others, that we're not trying to um, prove anything by our loving people, we're not trying to win God's approval by loving others. We're just taking a hold of these great truths that God has actually loves us. Because of God's great love for us. Because we've taken a hold of that such at a deep level of who we are, we're responding with love in the world. And we also want to take hold of that authority. That representation that God has given us saying, you know what, you're my image bearer in this world. You're actually to represent Jesus in this world. I want you to take hold of that. Begin to live into that, not perfectly, begin to live into it. And allow God to be the one who fills you with power as you step in. And as he gives you power, you begin to even obey, even in a greater way than you've had to maybe potentially in the past. But none of our actions are trying to prove to God that we're good, he should love us more, that we need to earn something, no, they're, they're, they're only a life that he is just wanting to breathe upon us as a gift and to join him. So here's two scriptures that I want to encourage us with this. And the, the first one is this. When Jesus chose his disciples in Mark 3, from 13 to 15, he says this. After uh, the text talks about Jesus going on the mountain and praying all night, and it said that after Jesus went up a mountain, he called the ones that he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. These were the 12 disciples. And then he appointed 12 of them, and he, and he called them his apostles. And they were to accompany him. And he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. What is so beautiful about this little simple text in the ways of Jesus 
is that he was inviting people whom he wanted to be with him. He wanted them with him, to go with him, to be present with him, to be near to him. It wasn't like, okay, here's, here's some competent people. I'll teach them a few things and I'll send them out. But he's like, no, I actually want you with me. I want you with me. And by being with me, then yeah, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you out to open your mouth and pro- proclaim something different than the world sees or has experienced, to proclaim the power of God, the kingdom. That was the, what they, they preached, right? They preached that God's kingdom has come. And then they were going to demonstrate it by casting out demons. This is what he invited them to do. is that come, be with me, so that you can continue to live as I live. Because Jesus was, when he was with them, Jesus was preaching and casting out demons. That's what he was doing. And he invited them to be with him so that he could send them out. And all this was moved by the love that he had for them. He's like, come be with me. I love you. He's told them that again and again. He's like, oh, I've loved you, and I've loved you to the end. I'm not going to forsake you. Come be with me, and I'm going to send you out to preach, to open your mouths with good news, and to demonstrate as I give you authority to cast out demons. This is our identity as well in our calling. John 4, Jesus said this. Uh, he, He was hanging out on the outskirts in, in this, within a Samaritan village in Samaria, and he had been sitting there at a well um, with a Samaritan woman, and he engaged her beautifully, offering life, not a million-dollar Jesus bills. He, he offered her living water, offered her life. And she went away to, to bring everyone from her her town, back to him to hear this good news, right? It moved her so much, she gathered everyone and said, could this be the Messiah? And Jesus' disciples come up to him and they're responding to him about not eating and Jesus says this in John 4, my food, said Jesus, is do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have the saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests harvest a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to, to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Again, he's training them. And I love this. I love this expression where he's inviting them to see things differently. And I think as we live into these values, this is what we're being invited into. We're being invited into that same call of Jesus and his disciples from Mark 3, but we're invited to this of John 4. It says this, open your eyes and look out upon the fields. Now let me give you a hint. The fields are not fields. We're not farmers. The fields are people. The fields of people, right? Open your eyes. Look out upon the fields of people. Jesus says the the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And he says um, there's been sowers. There's been people throwing scattering seed. And there's going to be people who are going to reap it. But you haven't done the work. You're going to reap the labor of someone else, of somebody else who's done work. Here's the truth of this value that we are missionaries. God has been at work, right? And what's he at work doing? He's at work pursuing everybody 
You're here because God pursued you. He sought after you in the wreckage of your life, right? He sought after you, maybe even in the successes of it. He got your attention through your family lineage. He got your attention through church. He got your attention through friends. He got your attention through coworkers. He got your attention through tragedy. Whatever it was, he was pursuing you. He was at work. And then he involved other people who he opened their eyes to his work in your life. And they came along and encouraged you and pursued you and shared that love. God is at work, and he's been continuing to work. And that work wasn't at a one Sunday message, and it wasn't this. It's been all of your life, right? God being at work over the different stages and seasons. And at times your heart might have been hard to that message. And other times it was soft. But it was God who was at work, intermingling through these ups and downs of life, being present to it. He has been at work in you. And so he's saying, hey, let me give you a little secret this is the world. I'm at work. Open your eyes to the, to the harvest that's ripe. Look out and look for it. Look for those who I'm working in and I want you to engage in them because you see something good that's happening in their life. You see me at work within them. Join in this. Participate in this. Encourage them. As I'm sitting at the gym with my friend, that's what's happening. You know that, right? God's showing me in this little mix of relationships, saying, hey, you haven't done this work. I'm doing something in him, but I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Whatever that might be. And somebody else, it's the same scenario, God's showing me these things and these people. And when we get invited in those, and we begin to open our eyes and begin to look around, begin to look around at people and say, all right, God, where are you at work? Where have you connected my life with others who just seem to be open to you? And sometimes you can ask good questions to find out who those people are. And sometimes they just come out and they just tell you. Right? They just open their mouth and they begin to open up about their life or the pain or the scenarios. And they begin to share things that are really meaningful to them. And they begin to trust you. Jesus said that when, when people welcome you, when they like listen to you, when they welcome you into their lives and you have Jesus in you, they're welcoming him. That's what he said. When they welcome you, they're welcoming me. They're welcoming me. And so those times we begin to, we can begin to look at them differently and say, God, you're at work and you're inviting us to join you. We're missionaries. We are joining in that work of God. And the question, and I loved it because I love, John, your, your story this morning about hearing of that. And you begin to ask God, how, how, how do you want to connect me in this? How do you, what's next, God? What do you want me to do? And he led you into a relationship, right, with somebody else that connected you. He's asking, what's next? And so as, as I have these scenarios, that's what I'm asking. God, what's next for them? What's next? How do you want, how do you want me to participate? What's next for him? Do you want me to you invite him over to dinner? Invite them here, hang out. Wait, what is next? As you're opening my eyes to the whiteness, to the harvest that's plentiful, we are missionaries. And we're being invited to live out our identity of God's deep, deep love for us. Now, church, I know that when we took the Jesus Journey survey this last year, I know that as a community, we struggle with confidence in this area. We struggle to live this out, even though we believe so strongly in all these things we've talked about. We believe that acting out our love in this world 
Um, because God has loved us and responding to the world in love is a huge way of seeing the world changed. We believe that, that, that yes, we're being invited to participate with God in this world. But it is so hard and we struggle with confidence. And because of that, a lot of us find us that we stay in safe places, right? We kind of remain in a little bit of the safe spot instead of maybe dipping the toes out into that little more dangerous water. That little more adventurous sort of sense of saying, hey, the harvest is plentiful. Step into this. Come be with me in this. This next year as we live into these values and we begin to continue to say yes to these, we're going to be continuing to invite us and trying to equip us and try to say, oh, Lord, how can our confidence grow? How can it grow so that we would continue to say yes to putting our love into action in all the sorts of places and all the scenarios that God brings us into. And if you heard my stories, we're going to step in and we're going to have stories of failure and we're going to have stories that we think is actually saying success. We're actually listening to God and stepped in. And we want to encourage you still. We want to celebrate those failures as we see them and we talk about them and we learn from them. And we want to celebrate those stories of success as we hear God and obey. We want to celebrate those, those risk-takings where we step in and think, oh my gosh, I see God involved in your life. As we begin to step in and look for the places where the harvest is plentiful, where the fields are ripe. I don't think there'd be anybody in our life if we came up to them when we said words like this, oh my gosh, I see God at work within you. Is that offensive? I, boy, I think God's trying to get your attention because he loves you. Wow, that is, that's awesome. You know, what's offensive is that when we say, oh my gosh, there is nothing good in you. God is not at work within you. You need to do something different. When we begin to affirm the divine pursuit of people, affirm the reality that God is on the hunt for the deep parts of their questions, their achings and their longings and their needs. That moves us. There's a guy who I've seen his life transformed right around me. And I got to be a small part of it in the last two years. He's awakened to Jesus. And my small part in the journey is when we were talking, I said this one thing to him because he's like, hey, I'm, I'm checking out Jesus. And I said something like, God wants to speak to you. Continue to ask him. Ask him, God, what are you saying to me? That's all I said. He heard it and he listened. And he believed it. And God began to speak to him. And has transformed his heart and all of his obsessions. This was a guy who told me he was thinking about coming to church, but he was like, yeah, hey, I get a little drunk a little bit too much on Saturday nights and I just haven't made it yet. Right, you know, you know? but yet he was interested in, in God, right? I saw God at work with him. The things that we would all say, oh gosh, that's not healthy, that's not helpful, it was a little bit of a distraction, but it wasn't a distraction to what God was wanting to do in his life, right? And I've seen his whole world transformed because God was at work within him. And I just saw him recently, and he was like, oh yeah, I've read the Bible twice now, and um, God wakes me up in the middle of the night, and I gave to this and, you know, to, towards these people in need, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're hearing God, you're seeking him, and you're obeying him. He's been transformed. He loves the lot. He, he's, he's found Jesus. It's beautiful. And that's because God was at work within him. I pray that we would be able to see that and experience that in all of our lives. 
we want to grow in that confidence. We want to grow in our confidence to be able to join with God, not only locally in those neighborhoods, but we want to join him in the nations, right, to move with that. And as a church, we said we struggle with confidence to be able to join with the oppressed and the hurting in this world. And so I'm, I'm going to close with prayer, but uh, if, if, if you agree with me and you're like, you know what, I struggle, and I do too, I struggle to engage with what God is doing in this world with the oppressed and the hurting. And in the summer, we invited Sharon Buttry to teach, um, and she shared about these kids um, in Africa. Um, I think they have a name. There's five, there's, they've numbered, there's 504 of these kids they've identified. It's, the program's called STEP. It's called um, Student Tuition Expense P Program. Um, and their whole thing is these are kids who've experienced war um, and genocide, um, being orphaned, all of this by war-ravaged countries, and, and there's a number of them that are in refugee camps. Um, and they're wanting to, one, educate them, and also wanting to equip them with um, peacemaking abilities, right? This is what Dan does, and he's discipled another of African nationals who are going around and wanting to teach children about how to negotiate how to respond like Jesus in peace because one of the one of the guys who Dan actually discipled and mentored in the genocide that he experienced his mother in him fleeing from the genocide his mother was killed and he was on her back and she ran in order to save him and her but she didn't make it right that's a story Right? That, that's what he's born into. That's the majority of the world is like that, right? But yet Jesus has so transformed his heart because those kinds, of, those kinds of tragedies lead to all sorts of things, right? I mean, the majority of militias that are going around are young people who have experienced such tragedy. You know, his hearts and minds can be either forced into this or, or, or pulled in, but yet he wants to equip kids to be peacemakers in the world. And so um, the American, ba- American Baptist, um, the International American Baptist Missionaries Group, they've got these missionaries on the ground that are saying, we get these 504 kids that we've identified within the Congo, um, within, uh, I got the, it's in Zambia, and some other areas, 504 that they have, and they're looking to raise $20,000 in order to be able to do, teach them and to equip them and to believe in them and breathe upon them and equip them with peacemaking strategies. And when I heard Sharon mentioned that, I was like, oh gosh, I want us to be about that, right? I, I want to be about that. And I want to move us to be about that. I want us to step in and, and move our, our community to know some names of those 504 kids, right? And so, um, as we even talk about this, th- this value that we're talking about is not just always just answered and we do it now and then we move on, but it's answered all through life, but there's always going to be opportunities for us to see us, or at least we hope so. And so today, if you're looking for to be able to respond to something internationally, I've printed off 50 of um, some document information about this program and where you can go online and you can, you can uh, sponsor tuition for a kid for the next year for 50 bucks in the Congo. Or for $100, you can do a middle school student in Zambia. You give $100, you'll pay their tuition for the next year. So I think those of you who have middle school kids, it's kind of cool to be like, oh my gosh, this is my kid, Right? Here's my kid, and there's one out there who needs $100 in order for their tuition to be paid. And so that could be you, or $250, if you feel like you could do that, moves like 40 kids 
um, for book bags and $500 provides conflict transformation training for 40 children. So maybe we can move, and I, I want us to move, right? I, I want to respond to something like that for international kind of stuff. So we pray that we would be able just to be, say yes by the love of God, not by guilt, but God loved us so much that he's moved us. Maybe say yes. Maybe say yes and look up and see the harvest that's plentiful in our own neighborhoods, in our own networks, and in the nations where it's plentiful. And we could come along and say, we haven't done the work, but how do we fan the flame? May we do that, church, and live these values. Let me pray. So, Father, would you, God, move our hearts? Would you open our eyes to look up and to see the harvest? Open our eyes, God, to look up and to see what you have done and you're doing. Oh, God. We lack confidence and courage. Know how. Equip us, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we would know our identity in your family as your beloved kids. And we have your authority to represent you in this world. May guilt, accusation, or fear not stop us. So God, pour out your love upon your church, God. Pour out your spirit upon us, God, that we could say yes. And all the messiness of it. And join with what you're doing in the world. God, for, for those who are weary from that upon us, would you strengthen them, Lord? As Adriel had us sing this morning, who are waiting. So, Lord, would you strengthen those who are weary from their yeses, from their participation. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Uh, before we go... We're going to close. I'm going to invite up Andy and Maddie Michelle. Andy and Maddie are one of our internal. We have some missionaries that we support. Our value is that we are missionaries, all of us. And so this is a couple who are part of us, right? Living this out in a very distinct, unique environment. We changed the value from sending out because we just didn't want you to think or be tempted to think that we are embracing the value just by saying, go Andy and Maddie, go here, you know, um, but they can go and we'll send them and we'll, we'll be here. But we love the value that we're missionaries to say, all of us are missionaries. And we do want to support them and we, and we want to. And so we've invited them to kind of share about what they're stepping into, what God's inviting them into, what God has called them into in order to leverage all of their time and uh, their lives around. So here's two missionaries, a part of Genesis, just like you, Andy and Maddie. And welcome, guys. Come up here and share. And... They're going to share for a few minutes. They have some materials in there. And I believe Liz is going to come up and would you pray for them, Liz? And then she's going to send us out. Because I don't know if we mentioned the prayer for you guys. So. Hello? Hey. Okay, we're good. Uh, yeah, so we're Andy and Maddie. Um, yeah, I have actually been serving with crew now for uh, about nine years here in Detroit. Uh, I've been at Genesis about the whole time. And Maddie and I got married three and a half years ago, and so we've been serving <laughs> here in Detroit uh, since then. Um, so <clears throat> we just wanted to share a little bit about who we are, what we do, um, and I grew up in a Christian family, uh, having gone to church, and then, so crew, for me, was actually an opportunity for me to further my faith, um, to be challenged, and to, to, to step out um, on the college 
campus to, to, to learn more about who God is and then um, kind of take some steps of faith, even as a college student. Whereas Maddie came to Christ in college through a sorority sister who invited her to this Bible study. Um, and so we were both individually called um, uh, or led to join with full-time, full-time staff with crew. Um, My turn. Um, so we wanted to just take an opportunity um, to share uh, how you guys have actually, whether you are aware of it or not, have, um, through your prayers and your financial giving, um, have been impacting lives of college students. Um, and so there's many of you that are partnered with us individually. And then as a church, a portion, when you give to Genesis, a portion of that goes towards transforming the lives of college students. And so we want to share a few stories, well, a couple, and um, to share how your prayers and generosity have been at work. So Crew is, our tagline in Detroit is, it's a multi-ethnic community to help every student know and follow Jesus. Um, and as you can think about the college experience, um, there's a tremendous competition for the minds and hearts of college students. Uh, they go to the, the classes and professors and other students are telling them, you know, oh, God is dead or, um, you know, there's many ways to, to find your faith. Um, and so Crew exists to give students the opportunity to hear um, about Jesus. And so we want to expose people to Jesus um, by sharing the gospel with them. We want to, uh, that's winning students to Christ. We want to build them up. We want to encourage them. We want to give them opportunities to um, be in Bible study, to be in mentoring relationships. And we also want to send them out um, into uh, their classes on mission trips. Uh, we have um, uh, like spring break and summer mission opportunities for the students to be sent on. So we just wanted to share two stories quickly. Um, about what God is doing on the college campuses. Okay, so Corey is a um, female, and um, she's on the softball team at Detroit Mercy, and she was a transfer student last year, uh, and she came to Bible study because a teammate had invited her, um, and she said an interesting phrase. She said, I know God brought me here, but I'm not sure why. So we met up to talk more about that, and um, we went through a little resource that shares kind of the cliff notes of the gospel and how she could have a personal relationship with God, and I asked her, have you ever heard this before? And she said, no. Um, and so there's a, a suggested prayer at the end that just is a, of a response, and um, I was like, you know, does this express the desire of your heart? And she's like, it does. And so I was like, well, you could pray that now. You could pray that later. Or like, if it's true in your heart, it's true for you. It doesn't matter what you say. And she was like, I think I'm going to pray it later. And I was like, okay, we'll see if that happens. Um, I thought maybe she was just feeling awkward about the conversation and wanted an exit. But she texted me later that night, and she said, Maddie, I went to my car to be alone and to just, like, tell God everything. And she said, and I felt like there was a weight that like, got lifted off my shoulder. Is wow. that normal? And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so that's a little bit of Corey's story. She's been mentored now by her teammate um, who brought her to Bible study and is growing in her faith. Uh, so another value we have is sending students. And so we're actually partnered with South Asia uh, where we send students and staff every year um, to reach college students. And so a couple of our students were, we're having an Independence Day party um, for the South Asians. And uh, this guy named Raghav uh, shows up to our party, uh, and he comes from a Hindu background. 
Uh, and so he, our students are talking with him, and he's like, they're telling him about Jesus, and he's like, oh, this is very interesting, you know, and they're saying, hey, here's a Bible. Uh, this week, take this and read the book of John, you know, and uh, we'll meet again next week and see what happens. So he takes the Bible. The students meet up with him again the following week, and they're talking about a relationship with God, and he said, yeah, I read the whole book of John in one week. I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, and, and they asked him, you know, you asked the question about what's going to happen to you when, when you die, and they asked him that question, and, and they said, hey, it seemed like he was kind of getting, like, this relationship with God, and they, they asked him the question, and he said, well, they asked, you know, zero to 100 percent, like, where do you think you'd fall, you know? And he's like, oh, I'm 200 percent sure that if I die, I have a relationship with God. Um, and so just from reading the Bible, you can see God at work um, in this student's life. Um, he came from, you know, Hindu background uh, and, and received Christ. Um, so God's doing incredible things here in Detroit, but also around the world. Um, so, yeah, I think that's for me. Yeah. So there's many other stories we could share, um, but instead we decided to, there's a little blurb. So there's eight different stories. So you got one of eight in your programs. Uh, and we wanted to just share with you a little snapshot from this past year of how your prayers and investment have been impacting lives. And so there's that. Read it over. Be encouraged, hopefully. Um, and even this year, we're two weeks into the semester, um, and this is like the first six weeks of the semester is like such prime time. Like students are so ready to like hear something new, and so um, we've already seen four college students indicate decisions for Christ in these past two weeks, um, yeah. which is amazing. Yes, praise God. Um, along with one of our teammates, uh, or no, one of our students, both of her parents actually just prayed to receive Christ too this past wow. um, week. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, and so we just want to invite you um, that to consider um, be connected with us further. So there's also in your program, there's these little inserts uh, that have our name on them. Oh, thank you. Um, and we want to invite you, would you participate with us, especially in this like really crucial time? Um, so if you sign up for that, we send out monthly update letters um, that share these stories and ways you can be praying. Um, and so we want to ask if you would consider joining with us in prayer, um, receiving these uh, and reading these and praying alongside of us um, as we're on the college campus. And so um, if you want to fill that out, there's a little like wicker basket on a table out there. You can just drop it in there um, and we'll be out after the service and would love to connect more with you, but we just want to say thank you. So thank you.